You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Police box? What on earth is he doing here? I mean, these things are usually on the street. I feel it. I feel it, you feel it? It's a faint vibration. It's alive. Earth Station Who? A fun mashup celebrating nearly 50 years of Doctor Who universe. Hold tight. You never know where the TARDIS is going next. Who are you? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that again. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Now please, get off this planet while you still have a choice. Hey everyone, welcome to Earth Station Who, and we are here to talk all about Full Circle, the first of the Each Space Trilogy, and introduced us to a companion who is notorious, is not so popular, uh, there's a lot of adverbs I can use, but <laughs> I don't think I'm going to. So yeah, we got introduced to Adric this episode, and it was Tom's last season and in some ways you could tell it was Tom's last season. We'll have a lot of fun to talk about it. We got a great crew. We have Mary here and we also have Mike Faulkner here this week. Hey guys. Hey everybody. Hello. Hello. You guys ready to talk a little about full circle? Yeah. I, I, I now think that adverbs for Adric would be a great podcast. If you want to run that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can do that. That would be a great name for it. And you know, every week another Adric story. You know, it would be a mini podcast, but it'd be okay. Well, there aren't any great Adric stories. <laughs> That's true, but just think it the series would end with a bang. Oh. <laughs> Unless you, you know, look at the stuff, you know, that the audio adventures where there's further Adric adventures, but we're not going to ever look at those. Please. Let's not ever oh look God, at those. Yeah. Don't, don't make us do that. please. Exactly. Unless this break goes on way too long, <laughs> No. but we definitely want to hear from you guys at home. Please write us at eswpodcast at gmail.com. You know, tell us, you know, your thoughts on this episode. I remember watching this, of. Uh, the first time on PBS and it was just like, you know, it was exciting because, you know, the doctor Romana going into the negative universe or East space or whatever you wanted to call it. And it was the adventure and the story wasn't as terrible as I had remembered it when I watched it this time, it was actually a lot of fun, but of course it had the weak link in it. So, Oh, well, or as they called him on one of the uh, commentaries, the artful dodger of Doctor Who. <laughs> I, can, I can see that. Really? <laughs> really? Well. That. Well. Well. <laughs> <sighs> well, we're going to have a lot of fun talking about this one tonight. I, you could call his brother that. I wouldn't call him that. <laughs> no. The brother, we'll get all into that. We will, we will talk all about that. And because there was no brotherly love at all about it. <laughs> <laughs> we 
Okay. 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 We're, spoilers. We're not getting in there yet. And everything. <laughs> we'll get, we'll get to it. Uh, of course, uh, shows brought to you by the fine folks at the ESO network, Patreon. That's right, folks. Please, you know, help support the network by joining up with the Patreon. And we have a brand new show joining the Patreon. That's right. Exclusive only to Patreon listeners. We have the ESO network riff. It's awesome. And it's premiering this weekend. That's right. And we are looking at the 1989. God, I can't believe it's been that long. Batman starring Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. Should be a lot of fun to riff on, and it's going to be friends of the show and other podcasters, and you never know who's going to show up on these, and this will be coming to you monthly and exclusive only to our Patreon listeners. So please give us a listen. We definitely would love to. You could go to patreon.com slash ESO network, and for as little as 25 cents a week, you could help support the network. Not too shabby, my friends. Truly not too shabby. All right, let's get started with Doctor Who news. The only Doctor Who news anywhere, and I do mean anywhere, is <laughs> right now that uh, basically we have brand new Doctor Who season 12 is underway in the UK. Jody's back, those companions, whoever they were. <laughs> You know, I know there was Graham. I don't remember the other two. (laughs) (laughs) But I know they're going to all be back. And, you know, hopefully, you know, we'll get some better stories. We'll get some more, you know, based off of what we saw with the New Year's special. I'm hoping they're going to go in the right direction and really looking forward to what they're going to do. And I'm just looking forward to seeing more Jodi. Truthfully, she is just fabulous. Mm-hmm. No matter how bad the writing was, Jody was awesome all the way through. No, I agree with you, Mary. And she was just a rock all the way through. Yeah, and I'm I'm really hoping that the uh, the show team uh, really has you know now that they got their feet wet in the Doctor Who universe, uh, they really can take some of the criticism on board that's come from you know fan circles and from podcasts and and the news and that kind of thing, and really you know bring us a a, a home run of a season this time around where. You know, last time was was a great a, a great attempt at, at a start. You know, kind of a fresh start at Doctor Who, and I want to see them like just okay. You know what? We're here. Let's make this really, really, really work. Make it sing. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and that's a good way to put it. Actually, Mike, is that you you have a good start, a foundation laid, and let's build on it. Let's you know, we saw what didn't work, and I'm sure they heard back from others out there that what didn't work and what worked. And I'm hoping that they're going to take that under their belt and do something pretty spectacular this next season. And maybe, you know, not alienate older fans by bringing in really lame new villains and such, and maybe having, you know, some more things, you know, there's a rich history. There's 55 years of Dr. Who to be based off of. And let's not forget that. And well, I, don't, I don't mind them bringing in new ones as long as they're interesting. Well, exactly. I don't want to see more Tim Shaw. Yeah, uh, <laughs> twice. I mean, and he was lame both times. So you can do better than that, Chibnall. Come on. Exactly. I don't want to really see another monster with teeth in his face. You know, oh, that's just right. <laughs> but, it, you know, it has a lot of promise. And the New Year's special was really good. So, mm-hmm. so 
I did enjoy the reimagining of a Dalek. I think they did that really well. Mm-hmm. It actually made the Dalek scary and, you know, something to fear again. Yeah. I mean, I, they, they really did a good job with that. So I, I'm, I am optimistic about the next season. Yeah. So am I. Mm-hmm. So let's hope. And, you know, as things happen and news comes about, we'll be talking about, it. we don't have anything better to do. So <laughs> I hope, yeah, we're so desperate for things. We're talking about Adric. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah folks, the next three, the next three episodes, it's going to be Adric jokes all the time. Oh. Yes, I know. So I'm ready. And, you know, cause you know, the next episode is, you know, all about vampires. So that's going to suck for Adric. Oh God. <laughs> I, can't, oh, I can't believe you went there. <laughs> well, I'm going to get you a badge of punful excellence, Mike. Oh, <laughs> That's great. So I can wear my yellow pajamas all the time and with a blue star on it. <laughs> we don't need no stinking badges. Oh, that's right. You're the upper crust. You have a badge. You're one of them. So he knows what two plus two is. Awesome. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting. All right, let's jump in. We've already started technically beating up on Adric, so <laughs> that's it for the show, folks. That's full circle. <laughs> <laughs> So let's go back to October 25th to the 15th of November, 1980. Gosh, next year is going to be the 40th anniversary of this episode. Oh man, I feel old. I know. The uh, the first part of this serial is actually my birthday episode. Oh really? Yeah. That's right. That's right. Judy remembers meeting you for the first time on that birthday. <laughs> <laughs> that is right. It's um it's interesting cuz I was still in junior high when this came out. Mm-hmm. And so was I, I don't even, yeah, I just got into junior high by this point. So it was, it was interesting seeing it. And I have not watched any of the East space trilogy since probably the first time I saw it on PBS. That's how much it left a mark on me. And cause truthfully for the East space trilogy, the t- three things I remember really bad canine effects, uh, Romano left, and also, we got Adric. Yeah, the, the only thing I remembered about this particular one was Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> there and was it's, nothing else. That's to, I didn't remember that it was Adric's introduction at all. It's funny because the Marshman actually looked like Surplus from the Creature of the Black Lagoon. They did. <laughs> I was going to say that or Swamp Thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, the 1980s movie. That's yeah. true. That is true. Actually, I think Swamp Thing took the surplus from this for that. <laughs> and, then I love, and the spiders, they really move at all. It just sort of, you know, they would hit them every once in a while, so they'd rock back and forth. Mm-hmm, exactly. Throw rocks at them. Maybe they'll move. <laughs> yeah. it, it was just like, oh, God, there was just so much in this that, 
you know, was just bad. And it, it was beautiful in some of the scenes though. I felt like I was watching like a summer camp movie or something when they were out, you know, swimming and playing and camping and, you know, and the little bad guys were trying to steal the fruit. (laughs) There was, there was a lot of swimming in little skimpy shorts. Yes. I noticed that. <laughs> yeah, the lo- location shoots added quite a bit to it, especially you know, like you said, the effects weren't that weren't that spectacular. So they they really made up for it with the location shoots. And then uh, compared to the one that preceded this, Megalos, I thought the story and the pacing were were a big step up from that. Oh, you mean the uh, living cacti? Yeah, the, the <laughs> cactus doctor. Yeah, exactly. No, nowhere to go but up from there. Yes. <laughs> uh, I actually, I kind of, I enjoyed this episode. I mean, I'm not saying it was perfect. It wasn't. No. <laughs> no. Uh, you know, there were, there were, but it was fun. Mm-hmm. I actually thought the scene with the swamp creatures coming out of the water was awesome. Yeah, they actually did a good job there. And it yeah. was actually properly horrifying when they're experimenting on the marsh, marsh child, marsh person. Yeah, the marsh child. I felt bad for it, you know, because mm-hmm. the doctor, he knew the doctor was its protector and that's what killed it. And that yeah. actually was a good scene for Tom Baker when he's taking down the deciders for doing that. Mm-hmm. You know? And I, I really liked, uh, especially given Doctor Who's track record of, of not treating companion farewell stories very well. Uh, I really liked the setup with this one where, where you see Romana is, is really growing uh, beyond this, you know, the high snobbery of, of, of Gallifrey and society of being a time lord, you know, she's she's at the beginning of this, like, you know, I, I really don't want to go back. I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying doing this, helping people and going and seeing the universe. And I'm, I don't want to go back to Gallifrey and be with with the time lords. I want to stay in the TARDIS with you. And she's she's really evolving quite a bit here before she says farewell. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, it's her three episode farewell. Yeah. And literally, because at the beginning of the story, that's where it starts, is the doctor gets an order that he has to bring Romana back to Gallifrey because the key of time story is over. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she needs to rejoin her place in Gallifrey and society. And truthfully, you know, the doctor, which is very undoctor-like, was obeying the Time Lords. And yeah. he, he was actually going giving them going to give her back because that's where they he programmed the TARDIS to go back to it and they just happened to fall into e-space yeah the whole thing actually felt kind of off (laughs) (laughs) you know telling her you have to go back we can't fight against them Mm -hmm. and that was weird and even him saying I tried fighting against the one and you see where that got me (laughs) it's like that was what regeneration number two for him yeah (laughs) So yeah, it was it was interesting and I was it was Tom played that very stoically too. He wasn't his usual, you know, oh we can do something, you know, trying to make humor of it or with the big grin and you know being mischievous. He was just like, Okay, I'm taking you back. Yeah. You have no no say about it. Well he, he did resigned. Yeah, he he did something very similar with uh, Hand of Evil and Deadly Assassin though too, when it when he got the call to go back and well, I, I guess I can't take Sarah Jane. So he effectively kicks her out of the TARDIS and then, you know, takes off by, on his own day, Gallifrey. It was another one of those, I can't disobey. I must go. I must obey this summons. 
Nope. Very true. And I found that, you know, is that just residual from, you know, that the writers put in that, you know, somehow the time Lords have some kind of control over the doctor. I, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's certainly quite a bit of, um, of bowing to the time Lords that the fourth doctor does that, you know, any of the other doctors, you know, they, they actively rebelled against the, the time Lords. I think it was, uh, was it Pertwee or was it, uh, uh, or was it the, the other baker that were like, you know, I, I don't want to do your bidding. I'm not your slave. You know, you, you know, quit interfering with my life kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And no. so it's, it, yeah, it's, it's weird that the fourth doctor is, is the one who's like, yeah, you know what? You guys are right. I'll, I'll be there shortly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Well, he, he is coming off being exiled on Earth and all of that. So, <laughs> Good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. It's only eight years later, you know, type thing. Because, mm-hmm. But it was, it was just interesting. It just didn't make sense. But, you know, as we always like to say, the TARDIS never goes where the doctor wants it most of the time. It goes where it's needed. Mm-hmm. And somehow okay. probably knew that it needed to be an e space. An e space is an interesting idea to explore. Mm-hmm. That whole other universe exists. Well, exactly, and they kind of explore alternate dimensions and such in the tenth Doctor era, mm-hmm. like alternate, like alternate Earths, and that's the whole Cybermen story. How they brought the Cybermen back. And then I know Michael, you haven't gotten there yet with your review, so we won't mention it too too much yet. Spoiling <laughs> for you, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just interesting that you know they they did that, and I thought it was a great little bunch of stories. But yeah, this was Romana's final bow, and. She didn't do much in this, except for she tried clawing at space after she got bit by the spider. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Made hissing sounds. But she did it really good. (laughs) (laughs) So, and Uh, I did like some of the the effects, like the glow on the veins and stuff like that. Yeah, that was actually kind of cool. (laughs) But I was kind of, I was disappointed that she didn't get to do more in this episode. That's her song, you know. Give her something to do besides just being controlled by fake spiders. Mm-hmm. And you know, speaking of nothing much to do, K nine was pretty much off-roading until he got his head knocked off. Yeah, well, he got his head cut off. So again, <laughs> and I love how the swamp people put his head on a stick. <laughs> yeah, as you do, mm-hmm, exactly. I always felt so bad about K nine. You know, he he was an interesting interesting character, and, and if there was something great he could do in a story, awesome. Otherwise, he was like, um, "No, I've got laryngitis, or I can't navigate a swamp." Sorry, guys, I'm stuck in the TARDIS. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Kind of a funny scene when they send K nine off. Like K nine, go follow them, and he's like trying to navigate the swamp land. <laughs> nope. There was a, there's one time I love it. Cause canine was right on their trail and all of a sudden there was a Creek. And so he had to go around and look for another way around. Right. <laughs> but since he had, you know, his wonderful off-roading, he was able to find it and catch right up to him. <laughs> 
So it was actually, you know, I did like the scene where the doctor actually was using canine's head as, you know, like uh, to spook the, the swamp people. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there were some, Tom, Tom was at his game, you know, you, you, you know, you know, when he becomes the red doctor, as we, me and some friends used to call him, was that's his swan song too. It, you could tell he's winding up too. You know, this is, you know, the first season of John Nathan Turner. Tom is unhappy and because he's not pretty much in control of everything anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's already, you know, making noise that he's planning on leaving also after the season. So, but he still, he still pulls it out in this one. And he, there's some good performances, but, you know, there's something missing. Yeah. If, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's still a professional. He shows up to work, but it's just his heart's no longer in it kind of you know, thing. Yeah. Short timer syndrome, or it's like you've given your two weeks notice at work. And, <laughs> but you're still going to do your job, but you're not really going to enjoy it as much. Right. The, whole, the whole episode feels a little subdued. And maybe that's why, because it's, you know, it's just kind of hanging over their heads. Mm hmm. Yeah. What did you guys think of the twist in the story? I mean, it's a bit far-fetched, but, but you know, it's an interesting idea to explore. Mm-hmm. What, 40,000 generations? Yeah, something like that. Um, I mean, I, it didn't really surprise me, but I don't know if that's because I you know, kind of subconsciously remembered it. Yeah, it was It was an interesting kind of twist on the, the normal uh, type of this story where it would be like oh it was it was one one species or, or you know like the the 40,000 years later for the the generations of the people who arrived there and instead it's like okay well those guys were dead when they got here and so the marshmen somehow evolved into human form and then you know it's it's the spiders who are driving everything and this whole kind of convoluted thing it was interesting to see a a a new attempt at that kind of story although yeah it was it was really kind of confusing when you got down to it yeah oh yeah that the spider the spiders were the primeval type thing and then it was the marsh they evolved into marshmen and then they evolved into humans right they didn't really explain why i mean if that's if that's what what you are then why didn't they just accept that a long time ago? <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> this is what we are rather than trying to keep it from everybody. I mean, it, that it really, it didn't make a lot of sense, but you know, neither does our life now. So, cause I mean, really it's just about government bureaucracy. Oh, it is. And it's the head of the government keeping things from people. Right. And, and following things blindly. Well, exactly. Just you know, tell you even, even if it's ridiculous. Do as we say, not as we do. Type thing. Yes. Yeah. Power. Power re- uh, maintained by by omitting certain facts. Yeah. Just kidding. Yeah. People. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I love the greatest of those facts is that you know pretty much you know they have the ship ready to go and it's been ready to go for thousands of years, but they nobody knew how to fly it. Yeah, that was a bit of a stretch because if they've been working on it for that long. And they really know how it works inside and out. You know, they probably could have trained themselves to fly it over that period of time. You would think, but there was no manual to to do it. 
which which brings up another set of questions for me of okay it's been ready for thousands of years there's no manual associated with the ship so they really don't know how to fly it so how do they know how to do all the maintenance to keep the the hole and the power source and all that kind of stuff going I, right exactly. <laughs> it just yeah it didn't yeah. Really- sense it's it's one of those stories that seems really interesting and, and pretty engaging on the surface you know because it's 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 a unique twist on on doctor who on the formula you know okay it's not quite what we think with the monster of the week kind of thing and then when you start to actually look at it that's when you start kind of poking holes you're like that doesn't no that, that's not how this works it's not how any of this works <laughs> mm-hmm. well exactly because as the doctor was saying they were taking perfectly good working pieces or working machinery and taking it apart and replacing it with other brand new machinery. Mm-hmm. And it was just yeah, like, I'm not sure where they were getting all this brand new machinery, but mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> 8,000 years. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's like, all right, where does that come from? You know, or do they have a manufacturing division or do they just have a really big warehouse in the bottom of that ship? <laughs> But, you know, it's interesting. The guy who wrote this, Andrew Smith, he was only 17 when he wrote this. And it it shows. <laughs> but on the other hand, you know, it's quite well put together for, for somebody who wrote something this young. And I think he does capture the spirit of Doctor Who. Oh, gives, very much so. Yeah, and he gives the doctor some good speeches. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it is an engaging story. As convol- I mean, it gets too convoluted, but I mean, it's still fun to follow. But once again, the doctor is the smartest man in the room again, which is always the best kind of doctor, especially Tom's. Yeah, well, he he, he definitely gets good moments, and that's I mean, that's kind of what we kept waiting for with Jody. Kind of got it in the last episode, but I was waiting for that all season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it doesn't fall into the same trap that I, I really didn't like as much with Matt Smith, where, you know, the doctor was the smartest uh, smartest person in the room, uh, but he, he knew all the answers, was waiting just for the right time to pop the, you know, here we go, this is this is the way we're going to get out of this. You know, this is the era of the doctor being the smartest person in the room, but also having to play the detective, having to put the pieces in the right order to make things make sense. Mm-hmm. No, very make that very much makes sense. And you know, the doc it was the doctor who figured it out. I think they the you know, the people on the ship were for the zillionth time I have a feeling, fit were figuring it out, were figuring out that this all species were tied together. But I think the upper ups were hiding it from everybody. Yeah, that's the feeling I got that they probably figured this out many times before. Mm-hmm. And then- quash somehow every time well especially at the you know the very beginning of the show when the the head of the council was being pulled into the water he was yelling to adric it's full circle you know that type of thing Mm -hmm. and why was he being pulled into the water Brushman just really liked him. I don't know. Exactly. They saw something dingling and, oh, let's play with it, you know. Because it it wasn't like the Marshmen were, you know, cannibals or anything. They weren't eating the people on the ship. They were killing them. They weren't bad guys. No. They they were just, you know, trying to figure, they were just curious, really, trying to figure out what was going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So 
that's what I've always found, you know, I did find interesting. It was just like, okay, there's just some weird stuff going on here. There wasn't any explanation about that, you know, that he, he was getting pulled in and it was just like, all of a sudden you just, you didn't even see anything reach out. All of a sudden he, he just got started, you know, going into the water. It was just like, that doesn't make sense, you know? And the mist wasn't toxic. And these people, as soon as the mist started, they started like thrashing around in the water. Why couldn't they have gotten out? Don't be logical. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Logic on Doctor Who, you know. But what do you think this is, Doctor Who? I mean, seriously. <laughs> I know. Silly me. You know, I... I put two ends of a coin together and hoping, you know, they would show up the same way. And uh, it, there was just so much that was just like, why, why, you know, type thing. And there was, you know, the little band of, you know, outlaws or misfits or whatever you wanted to call them. Yeah. And, you know, including Adric's brother. And it was just like, there was no explanation why they were doing it. Mm-hmm. What were they doing? Trying to better society or were they just like, really stupid teenagers who were like, Hey, we don't want to do that. We don't want to be part of society. We want to hang out in this cave. You know, they're rebels, man. Exactly. Yeah. They came across as as teenagers rebelling against authority and, and, and they should have been rebelling, but they didn't really understand why. Mm -hmm. And you had Adric flying the TARDIS. Yes. Uh, Yes, you did. Right from the beginning. Exactly. This this starts this unfortunate trend in, in the later years of the classic era where even the companions are like, no, oh, I've seen you do it. I can do it, too. And it's like, no, this this should be a lost art that only the Doctor and Time Lords get. <laughs> I don't right. want the companions flying the ship. <laughs> nope. Gonna take it away from the mystery there. Yeah, exactly. It's like, ugh, what is... What is wrong with this? You know, that just, it doesn't make sense. And, you know, yeah, it was funny. Oh, he closed the door of Romana and Romana got stung by the spiders. Uh, <laughs> you know, the spiders living in the fruit, which everyone had been eating, you know, because they also have rapid growth mm. because, you know, right before that, you know, they were eating all the, you know, the fruit and they were enjoying it oh there's spider eggs in these what do you mean you know it's like because that seems like their main source of uh food so (sighs) (laughs) and the one thing i did find interesting you don't find out that adric actually stows away in the tardis till the next episode yeah i was at the end i was thinking about that i was i and I, because I had forgotten that he stowed away, and I realized mm-hmm. I didn't really see what happens to him. After him. And I was like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right." What about see? that? See, and it's it's just it's craziness. I'm telling you, it's crazy. Because <laughs> you know, I wouldn't have been unhappy if Patrick would have been a one and done character. You know, many times when we've talked about people who we would have loved to have seen as companions on Doctor Who, Hedrick is never on that list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he would have been better as as that one and done, or even even within just the E-Space trilogy. Like, okay, you know what? I, I live here. Maybe I can help you to figure out your way out because I'm a, I'm a relatively intelligent child. Um, 
but yeah, after he after the East Space trilogy, I was just like, "Why are you still here? Uh, come on." Mm, well, no, I agree completely. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's the sad thing about sense. it. He just he doesn't he doesn't fit. It was there was never chemistry between him and Tom or him and Romana, and not even him and K nine. <laughs> <laughs> And got you know it got even worse when Peter Davison took over as the Doctor. Yeah, because he he didn't have any chem- any chemistry with the with the companions in that era either. It, they were always you know bickering back and forth, and there was always the you know bashing of heads that was going on with it. It just I I get what the producer and the showrunners were trying to do with with clearing the decks, knowing that Tom Baker was leaving. Okay, yeah, we we need to we need to you know seal off the Romana storyline, seal off K nine kind of give a, a staged you know setup for for the upcoming you know fifth doctor but there was just so much that that the setup just didn't work and it kind of soured the experience going forward yeah i mean edric i think was supposed to be kind of a bridge from one era to another but he he was written as, as such an unlikable character mm-hmm. and, it, and truthfully i don't i don't even blame matthew i don't know think it was really his fault no. no, actually, I think it was the way the character was written. Mm, exactly. I mean, I think he did what they uh, what they asked him to do, but it just it just and especially in in large, you know, as it go, it just gets worse as it goes along. <laughs> yeah, I wish you could say, "Oh, he got better," and you, there are stories you're going to actually like him in, folks. Really, yeah. I can't do that. Mm-mm. Well, you're gonna like the last one he's in. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna love Urshock if you're an Adric <laughs> fan. <laughs> if you have any interest in Adric, Urshock will be the story for you. It's pretty <laughs> darn awesome. A little too close to the vest, folks. I don't know. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> Yeah, there's certain companions, you know, I'm always a fan. There's only like two fans, excuse me, there's only two companions of the last 10 years of Doctor Who that I can't stand. We got introduced to one of them this episode. (laughs) And the other one likes carrot juice. That's all I'll say. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, Adric makes parrot. Edric makes Perry look like a Shakespearean actress, you know? Oh, man, that is also my other least favorite. I keep, like, I haven't watched a lot of Adric episodes in a very long time, and I keep thinking, okay, maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. And every time we go back and watch an Adric episode, I'm like, yeah, no, it was, it was that bad. He was, he was just not good. Do you think also it might have been John Nathan Turner's fault a little bit? Yes. Yes, absolutely. You know, because, you know, he's the last showrunner till the end of the series of the classic. So. Unfortunately. mm -hmm. He's not my favorite showrunner at all. And he also gets worse as it goes along. I think it picked up a little bit with Sylvester's era, though. Mm-hmm. I think that was due to Sylvester, though. Yeah. 
I like uh, Sylvester. But also, I think also bringing Andrew Cartnoll in also did help. Yes, yes, I'll agree with that. Yeah. It was it was an era of a lot of you know missteps and uh, you know fortunate you know happenstance. I think you know where where some of the stories really really shine, and then a lot of the stories, a lot of the the era chemistry with the companions just it just falls flat. Or in the case of you know Adric and 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 Tegan and and so on, I just you know there's a lot of tension that's in there, and you, you don't want to see tension on the TARDIS. You, there, there's there's dramatic tension that, that is necessary to tell the story but when the companions are always just sniping at each other it's not fun yeah no i, I agree I a lot of peter davidson's era just painful to watch and it's not because of peter davidson no not at all but this is also truthfully this story is the first of the crowded tardis era mm-hmm. where there's too many people aboard the tardis yeah and because I do count K9 as a companion, so even though he was broken most of the time, <laughs> but it's the third, it is the you know, this is basically three companions right here with the doctor, and it continues when you know, after Keeper Trocken, because it you know, you're introduced to Nissa, but he doesn't, she doesn't travel with him at that point because doesn't become the three of them until the next episode with, with log hopeless. Mm-hmm. And so that's when you get Tegan and Nissa joining. Right. And then things just go crazy. But do you, do you think that's one of the problems with, with the series we just had? Do you think they should have dropped at least one companion? At the end oh, of completely. I would have loved them. And, you know, we talked about that in the series review a couple weeks back is I really, I love Graham. I think he's awesome, but I, to get Yaz and Ryan to shine, you need to get rid of Graham or have him not become a recurring character, not a full-time companion. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that would be great to have two companions and no love story, no love story. And thank God there was not a love story between Adric and Romana. So that would just been weird. (laughs) (laughs) Tying it back to this episode. Don't make me think about that. That's just wrong. Well, well, knowing Adric, it would have been Adric and K9, but that's okay. (laughs) Oh, oh my. (laughs) Yeah, I I definitely agree on the crowded TARDIS. I mean, you saw a lot during... um, even during the last bits of, of Tom Baker's run, but especially during Peter Davis's run, where you had three companions, you had Adric and Nissa and, and Tegan, and one of them always had to suffer for the rest of the two to shine. You know, it was, mm-hmm. you know, there, there are times when Nissa was, was confined to the TARDIS because she wasn't feeling well. And then you get Tegan who disappears for an episode because she's, you know, gets left behind for some reason, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, and then they brought in the fourth one, Chameleon, and then conveniently forgot him. He's the most broken of the companions. He just stuck him in a closet and forgot all about him. <laughs> well, and not to be morbid, after they got rid of Adric, it was for about three or four episodes, it was just Nissa and Tegan. Mm-hmm. And that worked really well. Oh, like, yeah. Like with Ark of Infinity and, you know, those the stories with the Brigadier, and then they brought in Turlo. Mm-hmm. Oh, but then right after they brought in Turlo and they brought in Chameleon, uh, they got rid of Nyssa. And then it was for a little bit, it was just Tegan and, you know, 
the other one. And, and Turlo, yeah. Yeah. So I didn't think it was so, so bad yeah. for that. So, you know, take it for what you will. And, you know, I think, you know, it was smart of them to get it back to just one companion with the sixth and seventh doctors. But, you know, but I know pl- the plans they had had for the eighth doctor, if it went to series, it was going to be Grace and Chun Li. Yeah. Which, I mean, two companions isn't, isn't bad. I mean, it's, it still gives enough for the, the companions to bounce off each other, um, you know, and, and to really compare their experiences as, as outsiders to the doctor's world. Uh, it's when you get too many in there, like, you know, I think three is, is probably that magic number that's just too far. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I liked it, you know, when it was the ninth doctor and you had Captain Jack and Rose. Right. Those were great stories. But then when, you know, with the 10th doctor and they did Mickey and Rose, Eh, wasn't yeah. all that great, but then I loved it when it was Amy and Rory. I thought that worked really well. Yeah, it's not. It's not. If they just bring somebody in as a recurring character, then that's not so bad. Mm-hmm. And I but felt yeah, a lot of times that Rory was a good re- recurring character. Yeah, well, he was treated like a recurring character part of the time, but. They, when they have three traveling full time, I think the writers just don't, they don't know what to do with the third one, basically. And so then, then it becomes, the story becomes too much about, you know, spread, spreading things too thin. Or, or somebody, and, and that just doesn't work well. And I, and I understand why they couldn't, you know, if they wanted to keep this eSpace trilogy the way that it was, I understand why they couldn't get rid of Adric because they, you know, with the deadly assassin, they learned that, you know, you don't let the doctor travel alone, that, that the doctor can't carry the story alone. You need the companion as that gateway for the audience to, to understand, you know, what the doctor's world is all about. And you, you would have left the doctor traveling alone out of East space going on in the next adventure and trying to find, you know, through whatever means a new companion to continue the story and, and get ready to set up for the fifth doctor. So I, I, I get why Adric stuck around, but, I just, I don't like it. <laughs> and the good thing about that is you don't have to like it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, back to the story, I liked a lot of the acting of the council. I thought they were done very, very well. And I didn't think of them as the bad guys either. There really wasn't a true villain in the story. Well, they're almost, they're caught up in their own bureaucracy. Like, that's all they know. Also, that that's what they were raised to believe, and they they just can't break out of it. So, and they're they're lost when when the doctor you know basically goes into the temple and you know gets rid of all the manuals, starts shoving them over. They're like, what? They just they have no idea what to do when they have to do any sort of critical thinking, make their own decisions. They are lost, and they they just come across as kind of pathetic. No, very true. And, you know, when they had to make decisions, they were going, doctor, what do we do? You know, mm-hmm. but that happens in most Tom stories, you know, <laughs> once the doctor's fully, you know, in, involved with it, it's always doctor, what do we do? Oh, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. 
And it, yeah, it did seem interesting that the, you know, it's, it's set up like a monster of the week kind of story with the, the spiders and the marshmen. And then you realize that they're, they're really connected into the, the, the civilization as a whole. And so the villain becomes kind of that, that story that I, I really like in Doctor Who and in science fiction overall, when they, they are really making human nature what's on display, either as the villain or something to be analyzed you know, and, and talking about the human equation and what makes it all really work and what we need to do to evolve as a species. The, the odd part about that is that none of these, none of these characters on this, in this e-space are really, you know, human. They're evolved marshmen. It's, it's kind of a weird, weird dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. And they kind of hinted, you know, there's something not right here when Adric was wearing the Band-Aid on top of his pants. And, you know, he said, what about your, your knee? You injured it. And he says, oh, it's fine. And it's like, and he took it off and it was like a, just a couple hours he had healed himself already. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, hmm, there's something not right here. So yeah. it just, there was just loose ends and everything about that. And there's just, I know they touched on it later that it was because of the ability from being an evolved swamp person or whatever. Yeah, 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 well, yeah. There have to be some advantages to being an evolved swamp person. Well, duh, of course there is. <laughs> I mean, the real, the real villain here is basically stagnation or inertia. I mean, it's just people in a rut, <laughs> not mm-hmm. out of it, not, not seeing what's right in front of them or refusing to see what's right in front of them. Just, you know, doing the same thing for thousands of years. No, exactly. For thousands and thousands of years. But it also, you know, didn't explain why they, you know, the whole thing with the mist and, you know, how that all tied together. Does, you know, do the, each time the generations die out, is it a new bunch of, you know, swamp men that come in and evolve into human and then they take over? You know, after every all the humans are, or the evolved ones are killed by the marshmen. You know, they didn't really explain any of that. Because, you know, you didn't see any children on the ship. Yeah, they never really showed how that, how, how they evolved, you know, mm-hmm. how it's formed, really. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that was very murky. Hey, it's very marshy. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Swampy. Exactly. The story was a little swampy there, but you know. All right, we've been talking quite a bit on this one. I this the puns are starting to fly, so let's go ahead. Any final thoughts before we go ahead and rate this? I mean, you know, it's not it, it's a decent episode. It's not harsh, you know, it's not horrible. It it's and Andrick's actually not in it too much, so he can't ruin it completely. <laughs> No, very true. But yeah, there, there's something. It's there's sort of like a um, fog, haha, hanging over it. And I, and I think you're right. It's just it's because everybody's just kind of feeling like they're on the way out. Mm-hmm, exactly. This. All right, let's just get these stories done with, and we'll be done with it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I can understand that. All right, let's go ahead and rate this. One out of five Tardises, one being the worst, five being the best. Michael, go ahead. Uh, let's see. I think I'll go with a 3.75. 
Ooh, all it's, right. It's like it's like we've been saying. It's not a it's not a bad story. It's not it's not among the worst. Um, but yeah, there's just enough of it, of the cloud kind of hanging over it that it just it doesn't quite gel quite right. You can still poke holes in it. It's entertaining enough to watch. It's just not one of the ones I'll turn on on a whim. You know. Mm-hmm. No, I totally understand that. All right, Mary. Uh, I think I'll give it a three point five. I mean, I. Uh, it's not something that stuck with me. Like seriously, all I could think was Creature of the Black Lagoon. <laughs> That's all I remembered from this episode. I didn't remember Adric was in it. Uh, I, I may have blocked him out psychologically. <laughs> A lot of people do that. It's okay. <laughs> so it's not. It's a very middle of the road episode for me. Um, but you know, it has some nice themes of you know the oligarchy and the government bureaucracy, and, and God knows that's still relevant today. You know, and it has a kind of underlying theme of family where between Adric, what's going on between Adric and his brother and between um, the decider and his daughter. And that's kind of nice. But it's, there's too much going on. And, uh, and it gets very convoluted. And it, and it starts to drag by the end. But still, you know, it's enjoyable. I, I, it's, 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 it's enjoyable, but kind of forgettable. So 3.5. Okay. I'm going to go for a solid three on this it was enjoyable but also i felt like it was a lot of filler again this could easily been a three-parter instead of four but i think at the time the norm was four i don't really think they did many three-parters so it was just like there was just so much stuff that they introduced and they didn't really expand on And it felt like, oh, there's the doctor going through the ship again and then down another hallway and another hallway. Oh, wait, he's going out of the ship and now he's back in and now he's out and now he's in. You know, it's just like, eh, and there's Adric flying the TARDIS and not knowing what he's doing. And it's just like, eh. so I, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was, I was glad to, watch this one again and i don't want to scare people away from watching it it's fun it's doctor who and it's tom and he is eating up the scenery like he always does but there's just something missing from it and i think that's what brought down my score but we want to hear from you guys at home please write us at eswpodcast at gmail.com all right that is going to wrap up this episode for this week thank you as always for listening We appreciate it more than you could ever guess. And we will be back again in two weeks. And we are going to be talking about the next part of the eSpace trilogy. And we are going to be looking at State of Decay. That's right. The vampire story we hinted at earlier. And nothing, no jokes about sucking or anything. It'll be fun enough. So we'll talk to you then. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mary. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Mary, anything you want to promote? Uh, if you if you uh, like to see my artwork, it's maryable.com or find me on Etsy under eVision Arts. And Mike? You know, you know, we kind of jokingly pointed to it a little bit earlier, but uh, my my uh, timestamps project at creativecriticality.net and every Wednesday on the ESO Network homepage, uh, 
I am into series two of the revival era. In fact, I just watched Rise of the Cybermen and the Age of Steel back to back. And those will be publishing uh, as we're talking right now, uh, Wednesday morning. So you can go to creativecriticality.net, check out the Timestamps Project, where I've been going for about five years now in watching Doctor Who from the very beginning, story by story, and I'm still working my way through. That is awesome. Definitely worth checking out. His reviews are pretty darn amazing, folks. And, you know, definitely thank you guys, everyone, for listening. Thank you for rolling into 2019 with us and sticking with us through the lost years, I think we're going to call it. Or right now, as we like to call it, the e-space years. (laughs) Thank God it's only three episodes. Thank God. But it feels like years. (laughs) Oh, God. Every episode does. So my name is Mike Faber. We will see you here next time on the Earth Station Who podcast. Peace. And we're done. Yay. You have been listening to Earth Station Who, a bi-weekly pop culture podcast dedicated to all things Doctor Who, featuring talents from across the universe. All topics on the show are the sole opinions of the individual and are used for entertainment value alone. You subscribe to our podcast up on iTunes, Stitcher, or follow our blog at www.esopodcast.com. You can also follow us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. If you enjoyed the show, please leave feedback up on iTunes. Yes, yes, hello. Let's talk about the Flopcast. Every week we give podcast listeners a chance to come and join us in Chicken Town, Where we talk about Saturday morning cartoons, comics and science fiction conventions, music and concert reports, 70s and 80s pop culture, and for no good reason, chickens. Boy, we're weird. Oh, we are ridiculous. We're proud members of the ESO Network, and you can find us at Flopcast.net. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.